Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Kip Knight. Kip is the operating partner at TomVest, a board member at NetBase Quid, and senior advisor with Drake Star Partners. Kip has worked in over 60 countries and started his career at P&G in brand management. He, he is also the founder of the U.S. Marketing Communication College dedicated to teaching communication strategy to diplomats in the State Department. And how I met Kip is he is also the founder of CMO Coaches, a national coaching network for marketing leaders. Kip is the co-author of Crafting Persuasion, a leader's handbook to change minds and influence behaviors, and the author of the new book, Learn to Leap, How Leaders Turn Risk into Opportunities. Kip, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Well, Brandy, it's a real pleasure to see you again, and thanks for the invite to uh, share some thoughts today. Awesome. Yeah. As I say, re reading through your bio, I did not realize you were doing so much at once. Um, so very, very impressive resume. Um, and so I think that's it's great with your background to have you to talk to our audience of CMOs today um, about our topic. But before we go there, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? Randy, I was all set to uh, banish uh, AI because AI seems to be the magic uh, word that a lot of marketers use to explain whatever their startup's going to do. Uh, but over the weekend, I came across this uh, new uh, bot called ChatGPT. Have you heard of this thing? Yes, I have. I've been seeing lots of posts from that. Okay. So the reason I was... Uh, bit of a cynic on uh, AI is when I was at Block, we worked with IBM. We had, remember Watson? You know, Watson yeah. solve all your problems. And uh, I think this is a good example of marketers getting ahead of their skis and promising things that just weren't possible yet. But I, I think this new chat uh, GPT could could change the game there. It's uh, In fact, it, it's, it's so popular. I, I tried to get back on it this morning and said, sorry, we're so busy. We'll get back to you later on. So... <laughs> That, that was a, a, a potential uh, buzzword I'd want to banish, but I, I don't think it's over quite yet. Uh, it's still TBD. Okay, so so we're not going to banish anything today. I think okay. that's first time on Revenue Rehab we have opted to unbanish something. Because, uh, yeah, AI is definitely really popular. I do agree that there are some people that are, are uh, positioning it, it as, you know, the magic pill um, but there are some really interesting things happening. And I do think the the chat GPT is one of those really interesting things. So we will stay tuned and not banish anything today. Um, so now that we've kind of gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? 
Well, Randy, you and I both love marketing. Uh, I've loved marketing ever since the get-go, and I've been in marketing for about 40 years. And frankly, I'm very concerned about the state of our profession. Uh, and the specific issue I want to talk about today is, you know, the number one reason why CMOs get fired. Um, and it's a lack of alignment with their CEO and almost in the same breath, the CFO. And, and what I'd like to do is share some survey data that um, came out last year that's frankly pretty frightening uh, in terms of what CEOs think about their CMOs. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough stuff. Uh, and then more importantly, what can marketers do to try to change the situation? Um, let me start out with one stat that's, you know, probably not a total surprise, but maybe the numbers behind it will be. So CMOs have, CMOs have the shortest lifespan of any of the C-level suites. It's about 18 months, depending upon what data you look at. Uh, for perspective, a CFO uh, average tenure is about five years. A CEO is about seven years. So in other words, the average CEO is going to go through three different CMOs during their time in office. And that is something that, um, you know, as a marketing professional, you've got to ask the question, well, why is that? And last year, uh, there was a survey done by an outfit uh, called Boathouse. Uh, it's an agency in the Northeast. And what I want to do is, is, is share some of the numbers uh, from this survey and, and then talk about the, the implications of what we ought to do about it. So the first thing to keep in mind is most of your CEOs do not have a marketing background. In fact, only about 10% of CEOs have any kind of a marketing background. So your odds are nine out of 10 of these folks are not gonna speak your language. They're going to be either an engineer or a finance person or an operations person, but they're not gonna know marketing. They're not gonna understand marketing. And so coming out of the gate, you've got a real communication challenge. So what, what Boathouse did is they went and surveyed 150 of the top companies out there, the CEOs, and the questions were all around, what do you think you were seeing about let me give you some of the findings they had here. So 47% of the CMOs said the most critical role is for them to grow their business. Um, now, frankly, given your background and your book and this podcast, I, I'm surprised that's not a lot higher because <laughs> you know, it's like, duh, you know, what are they there for? Um, but then they go on and talk about, you know, uh, what they believe the CMO is actually doing. Uh, they believe that only 63% of the CMOs are performance-minded. In other words, they're not coming to work every day with the eye on the ball in terms of how to regrow the top line, you know, over time and a brand as well. Uh, only 34% of CEOs have great confidence in their CMO. Only 32% trust them. It's like, holy cow, uh, will this marriage last? No. <laughs> Marriage is in trouble. Um, Eighty percent of the CEOs thought that the CMOs were uh, turnover is because the CMOs are failing. So, in other words, it's not the CEO's fault; it's the CMO's fault that they are not doing what they need to be doing. Seventy uh, percent. Uh, this one is is really a shocker. Seventy percent of the CEOs think their CMOs would save their own ass before taking a bullet, you know, uh, for the CEO. Uh, so. All of these add up to a real indictment that um, one of my favorite movies uh, is Cool Hand Luke. I don't know if you've uh, seen Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman, no. but at, at the end of the movie, 
the sheriff, uh, which is a really mean guy, says, you know, what we have here is a problem of communication. And, and I would say that there is a, a real grand canyon between what CEOs are expecting their CMOs to deliver and what the CMOs are actually focused on and, and trying to deliver. So that's my, that's my premise. We have got a real communication problem here. We have an alignment problem. We have a lack of um, understanding and, and partnership between the CEO and the CMO. And, and the same thing could be said for the CFO because the CFO and the CEO are going to be, you know, they're not going to have that problem. They're going to be totally aligned because they know exactly what the board is looking for and they know what they need to deliver. I think the odd person out is the CMO. They've got to somehow get in the same flight path as the CEO and the CFO if, if they're going to have any chance of succeeding in their role. So let me ask you this, because I've heard similar numbers uh, from other studies to what you've shared, and I've had some conversations with other CMOs about this problem, about the short tenure. And so the first question I'd have is, do we have more of a perception problem or reality problem? Because in many cases, talking to CMOs, it sounds like we have more of a perception problem in terms of these are the things that CEOs are saying that they think and feel and believe, but that the CMO's actual focus, what they're looking at is not necessarily aligned, like that there's a perception problem of our space and what marketing is doing and is focused on. Or do you feel like we have a reality problem in that these misalignments and misfocus and, you know, essentially missing the mark is something that is true for most CEOs, I mean, CMOs? I think it's probably both. Um, and I think it, it's probably more a perception problem because I don't think CMOs go into the role thinking, I'm just going to ignore what my boss wants me to do and I'm going to do what I want to go do. That would be a suicide mission. Uh, on the other hand, um, part of the survey came out, and I think this is probably the biggest perception issue. Marketers are guilty of speaking in the language of marketing as opposed to the language of business. So in other words, and, and this goes right to your, you know, the core of your, your podcast here in terms of revenue, everything a marketer is talking about has somehow got to be tied back to the financials. And I know that's a difficult thing to do, especially if you're dealing with things that are of a long-term nature. But if you're not able to have both the CFO and the CEO understand the, 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 the what, so what, now what implications of all every dollar you're spending on marketing, then you're failing as a communicator. Um, and, and the reason this is important is not only to make sure that there is alignment at the senior level, but also making sure that if the business gets in trouble, when the CFO is looking around to see where can we cut, 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 Unfortunately, in too many places, the first stop is going to be the marketing department. They're going to just say, well, I'm going to take X amount of your marketing and just put it right on the bottom line under the fallacy of thinking, well, that's not going to affect you know, our ability to get to the top line. Of course it does, because if that wasn't true, then why are you spending the money in the first place? I, I can't ha tell you how many conversations I've had you know, with folks who have been in situations where the CFO took away 25% of the marketing budget and yet top line number remained the same. And, and that sets you up for, 
you know, like that is a no win situation for both the marketer as well as the rest of the company. So there's got to be education. There's got to be continual reminders in terms of speaking the language of business as to the importance of these investments in marketing. And there's got to be enough trust between the two parties that if there is any uncertainty or any confusion there, you know, they they can say it. I mean, one other mistake a lot of people make is they speak in acronyms or they speak in, you know, just whatever the, the fad word of the day is. I mean, that's probably why you like to start out with your banished word, because you'd almost play Mad Libs and fill in all of the, you know, the crazy lingo that we use. You've got to, it's like if you were going to a foreign country and you insisted on speaking English and everybody there spoke French, well, you know, you're probably not going to do that well. You need to learn how to speak French so that people can understand you and, and, and really relate to what you're trying to communicate. So there's two points that you hit on that I really want to dig into. And the first is that lack of understanding. So yeah. you hit on the stat um, of, you know, the, the small percentage of CEOs. So I think it's 90% of CEOs don't have a marketing background. Right. And so we have very few that really have that natural understanding. And so what is your recommendation? Like, what do we as marketers do to help to extend that understanding of how marketing works, you know, what the short game and the long game, you know, because I think that's kind of like blending the two is where there is also some confusion. And the same thing for the CFO, like how do we bridge that gap of knowledge and understanding so that we are all speaking the same language? And I mean, you know, obviously taking out all the jargon is is the, the quick win. Um, but beyond that, how do we really foster that understanding? Let me give you a, an example from my own career. So when I got to Taco Bell, uh, we had a CFO, name was Max, super nice guy, but did not understand marketing. And I could tell after my first initial meetings with the senior team that this was going to be an issue. So, um, you know, having spent some time over in England, they've got this great principle or, or, or expression, you know, praise in public, coach in private. So I knew that I was not going to get anywhere with Max challenging him in front of the rest of the senior team in terms of the value of marketing or why we needed to spend more money in marketing and or for God's sake, don't cut the marketing budget. So what I did is I went to him and I said, how about if I buy you lunch for the next five Fridays in a row? And what I'd like to be able to do is to sit down with you at each of these lunches and kind of just go through the marketing budget and talk about how each of those elements works what the metrics are, how we know we're doing well, how we know we can you know, improve. Would you be open to that? And, and Max was like, yeah, that sounds fine. And by the end of that five weeks, Brandy, it was a night and day difference. I mean, I'm not saying this will work with everybody, but how many CMOs have taken the time to sit down with their CFO and really listen and really try to make sure that you are understanding and do it in a safe environment so that your CFO doesn't look like a fool because they don't know what, you know, the latest acronym is. I mean, that is probably one of the best practices I could I could share with the team. Uh, you know, do a one on one with your CFO, do a series of one on ones and ideally do the same thing with your CEO. So that the next time you're in a public setting, you're confident that they know what you're talking about. And ideally, you know, they're going to you know, they're going to back you up when it, when push comes to shove. 
I love the praise in public coach in private. And I also love any recommendation that has to do with lunch uh, because <laughs> I think I am the one that is always hungry. Um, but no, that is, that is great in taking a really informal way um, because it, it's very non-confrontational to say, let's have lunch. Let me, you know, share some knowledge as opposed to, you know, let me coach you through this because right. that almost comes across as like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, let me teach you. Um, so, so I love that because I do think that that is a key thing is to help them understand like how the different marketing programs, the different channels, like how it all fits together, how it impacts revenue, um, and one thing that I know from talking, you know, some of my listeners are first time CMOs or CMOs of small companies where, you know, a lot of times in those roles, you're, you're a one person team. Um, and you talked about speaking the language of business and really being able to have those direct conversations. What advice do you give to those folks who are earlier in their leadership career or leading at smaller organizations where, you know, most of their career, they've been an individual contributor and haven't had to think about the business. What do you give, you know, what advice do you give to those newbies in being able to like, you know, change how they communicate with other senior leaders so that they are more speaking their language? Well, let me give you the, the ideal solution, then I'll give you the practical solution. The ideal solution is, as part of your career path as a marketer, get into a general management position where you've got responsibility for a P&L. You know, one problem you have as a marketer is everything you see through the marketing lens, everything is marketing myopia. Everything looks like marketing. Three times in my career, I've stepped out of the marketing role into a general management role, like head of the division or head of a business. And every time I've come back as a marketer, I'm a much better marketer because I get the 360 view of how it works. Now, that's the ideal solution. Uh, a more pragmatic, uh, short-term solution is to really get in there and spend the time on what I'll call appreciative inquiry. So in other words, when you go to the finance person and you're, you're sincerely trying to learn their world, trying to learn what, what's the gun to their head, what are they having to sign up and deliver? And you need to really go to school and understand the PL, the balance sheet, you know, the financial processes, the way the board reviews, you know, uh, everything related to, you know, the business. So that anytime you insert yourself in the conversation, you're starting there as opposed to starting with marketing and trying to force fit that into whatever the, the topic is at hand. And the more you can become articulate and understanding as to the finances of the of the company and talk about that with confidence uh, and, 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 and win, frankly, the respect of the other people in the organization, the faster you will be an effective marketing leader. One other sidebar here, and, and if anybody who's a marketer who's listening to this will, will instantly say, yeah, that's true. Why is it that marketers are the one profession that everybody who's a non-marketer thinks they can do better? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you've definitely hit on my soapbox there. Everybody thinks they can do marketing. Um, yeah, I, I won't go down that tangent because that'll be a whole. Oh, I, I know. But because of that, you've got to be a lot more diplomatic. You've got to be a lot more patient. You've got to be a lot more understanding because everybody wants to grab that steering wheel from you. 
and, and, and only by rising to the occasion and showing that you're a business leader, not just the marketing leader, are you going to earn the right to lead the marketing function in your company? Yeah, that is that is so true. And I do think, I mean, it, it does come down to a respect factor. In a lot of cases, marketing has not been a role, in my opinion, that has gotten the respect that it deserves. You know, you think about, I can remember early in my career, you know, marketing was, they were the make it pretty people. Like, you know, you make the PowerPoint slides pretty, you handle the logo, like you made everything look nice. Because way back when you couldn't really track anything or tie it to revenue. And it's like, we are so much more than that now. Um, and it is a little bit of changing the perception of the role. Like there's been a lot of conversations about changing the M in CMO to being chief market officer instead of marketing. Um and, you know, the, you know, whether you buy into the title change or not, like the, the real, you know, core of it is really focusing on the market and the business and, you know, being that leader that is respected in the C-suite and not being that role that everybody thinks they can do that job. Um, so that is really key. Um, the other thing that you said earlier that I wanted to come back to was you talked about trust. And I think that this is a, a really big thing in, you talked about having that trust with your CEO that you are able to, you know, go in and, and, you know, do what needs to be done, have the tough conversations. And I think this is a space where it doesn't always happen. Like there are, are places where, not that there's distrust, but there's not strong trust between the CMO and the CEO to where you would feel like they would, you know, go to bat for you. Why do you think that exists? Well, I think one of the things that I would encourage any CMO candidate to do is to have that conversation before you accept the job. So in other words, what is the CEO expecting of that CMO? Are they looking for a strategic thought partner? Are they looking for somebody who's brilliant in terms of execution, but execution only? Are they looking for somebody who's an innovator? Are they looking for somebody who's a creative? Because depending upon what your strengths are, that's either going to be a marriage made in heaven or you're going to be doomed from the start. Because if you think you're going in there as a thought leader and working on strategy and all they want you to do is to crank out marketing operations very efficiently and effectively, then that's a waste of, of talent. Uh, so if you can get that alignment from the beginning, then it's simply a question of going back on a regular basis and saying, okay, remember we said in the beginning, we wanted to do A, B, and C. How are we performing against that? What feedback do you have from me and delivering that vision that you laid out for me when you hired me? Yeah. And I do think that that is a, a key consideration is when you are going through that hiring process is to ask the right questions. Because I know, um, you know, in two of the series that I have on the podcast, which is CMO Exit, talking about, you know, career pathing and, and, you know, what next steps look like. And then the My Journey, where I've talked to different people about their journeys through their career, like really understanding who you are as a leader and what your strength is, I think is really, really important because you're right. If you are someone that's, you know, great with turnaround or accelerated growth or operationalizing things. And that is misaligned from the beginning with what 
the CEO is expecting as you come in, you are kind of setting yourself up to fail because, you know, you're, you're taking a role that's not necessarily, uh, not necessarily aligned to who you are. Yeah. One, one of the questions we ask as coaches is, you know, what is your superpower? And depending upon what your superpower is, you want to go find somebody who really needs that superpower as opposed to wasting it on somebody who doesn't really care one way or the other as to whether or not you're really good at something. Yeah, that that that's a good um, that's a good action. And I know like when I've had that question come up, I've always had to, you know, really pause and think deeply about what is that thing, uh, because you know, I know what I, how I used to answer that question. I realized if someone were trying to hire me, that would not be the thing that you would bring me in for. So like, it really does require some internal, you know, deep dive of like, what is that thing? Where is that place that you really, really thrive like no other? And making sure that the role that you're taking is going to align to that. Um, and so thinking about trust from the other perspective, um, any thoughts or advice around how marketers help to, you know, foster that trust across the entire senior team, like coming across as, you know, demonstrating that trust coming across as I know my role, like thinking about it more broadly than just the CEO. Yeah, one thing a number of CEOs ask our coaches to do is they want their CMO to be the evangelist for marketing in the company. So in other words, you know, every person in that company really should have some level of marketing responsibility. They represent that business. They represent the, that brand. They're bringing that brand to life with all the clients and consumers that are out there. So one of the ways you can do that is continual outreach to the other functions you know, if it's a big enough company, if, if, if the CMO can go on a regular basis to the finance team or the operations team or the engineering team and, and lay out the current thinking around marketing, the progress that's been made, the challenges you're facing and the ways that they can contribute, it, it becomes a united team effort as opposed to those crazy marketers down the hall. What are they up to next? You know, I don't understand them. So you've got to, it, it's a diplomatic role and, and there's got to be continual outreach, continual communication and understanding and, and acknowledgement on, you know, if you're not doing what you promised, okay, then what are you doing to really get back to a better place? Because uh, it's ironic, supposedly we're great communicators, but I, I think in this area, we're, we're not that good in terms of spreading the word around the importance of marketing, the role of marketing in building a business over time. Yeah, you really have to evangelize the work that's happening in marketing across the C-suite so that uh, people get it. And I, I agree. I think that most marketing departments are not great at that. Like we don't toot our own horns uh, well or often enough well, in many cases. But it, it's tricky because it, it's easy to come across as a rah-rah and wave the flag and everybody go, well, there they go again. They just don't, they don't get it. They're just being very creative, but I don't see how that's going to help us right now. So when you're delivering that message, it's got to be in the language of business so that, you know, the person in engineering or sales or ops is going to go, okay, that's important. And I'm glad they're doing that. And I can see the value of that as opposed to have the eye roll and go, those guys, I, 
I think they just have fun all day long. They don't really worry about going to business, you know? Um, and my last question for you is if we have, you know, heads of marketing, CMOs that are listening and they're having a little bit of an oh shit moment in, you know, they're, they're tuning into this episode, recognizing that they're not aligned with their CEO and, you know, that their tenure could be short. Um, what's your advice? Is it jump ship, find something that works for you or, or are there ways that you feel like someone can turn around that relationship uh, you know, before their their time is up, so to speak, uh, with their CEO, if they do feel like there's a misalignment? Well, I, I certainly hope that anybody in that position has the opportunity to meet on a regular basis with their CEO and, and also the CFO. And I would also certainly hope that the relationship was open and honest enough that if it was not working, then they were talking about it. And, you know, I, I've managed a number, I've managed thousands of people in my career. And, and every now and then you'll have a conversation about, well, Brandy, I think you need to go find your happy place somewhere else because it's just not going to be here. And here's why. And we'll try to help you through it. But have the conversation and, and, and ask the question and, and, and get the commitment. So in other words, if the, if the CEO is going, I'm not sure this is going to work out, then I would probably take that as a strong hint say, okay, fine, let's figure out, you know, and, and make it as professional a transition as you can without burning any bridges on the way out. But if, if the boss is going, I think you got it in you, Brandy, but here's what I'm not seeing. And then make that your priority in terms of demonstrating that on a regular basis. So anybody who leaves and surprises their boss, the manager has failed. The manager should know how they're doing at all times with all of their directs. And the same is true with a CEO and a CMO. So that would be my advice. Just keep it honest and, 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 and make some commitments either to say, okay, it's not going to work out. We're moving on or we're going to work on it. And here's what I need to see. Yeah. And I think that definitely pulls from a, a common real therapy conversation, which is have the tough conversations and figure out, you know, what is actually going to work for those involved. Um, so I love that. Um, and talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. So in traditional therapy, the therapist will give the client some homework. But here at Revenue Rehab, I like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So for those people who are you know, trying to improve the lack of alignment between them and their CEO, um, what would be your action item? What's your one thing that one action that you would encourage our listeners to take? Well, in, in coaching, we, we use this um, concept called circle of influence and circle of influence are who are the four or five people in the company that determine your fate? And it's probably it's definitely going to be your boss. It's probably going to be the head of HR. It might be the CFO. It might be a board member and it might be, you know, just a mentor to the CEO. Who knows? But you, you need to know who those people are and you need to know that if there is a vote of confidence at any particular point, how would they vote? And if you're starting to get some indications that the CFO is just not feeling it, they're, they're just not thinking that you're doing what you need to be doing to build the business then again, it's up to you to go proactively say, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you're just disappointed by performance and I want to get better. What can I do? Because the way you get fired is going to be, there's going to be a closed door session. There's going to be, you know, literally just sometimes one person going, I just don't think that person's right for the role. And then you're out of there. 
So for the homework assignment, identify your circle of influence, have a one-on-one -on -one with each one of them to kind of assess where you stand. And if there is a weak link in the chain, make, make it a resolution to go in and really address that issue and show some progress because ignoring it, it is not going to get better. It is only going to get worse. I love that. So identify your circle of influence and then work to meet and have conversations with them um, so that they're, they are a positive influence. Um, well, Kip, I have enjoyed our discussion for today, but that's our time. But before we go, how can our audience connect with you? Well, the easiest way to do it is just through uh, email, um, kipknight at cmocoaches.com. If you are a either a CMO or a marketing leader or and you aspire to be a CMO, I would er encourage everybody to go check out our website, cmocoaches.com. We've got fabulous coaches. Uh, our niche is we are former CMOs who are coaching current CMOs or aspiring CMOs. So we've, we've been there, we've, we've walked a mile in your shoes. We know, what is, we know how tough the job is. We've been doing it for about four years as a company. Uh, we've, we've seen some dramatic uh, impact on the clients we've worked with. And it's a passion for us because I'll, I'll, I'll end way I, I began. I am concerned about the state of our profession. I think we need to do a reality check and I think we need to be proactively working to get better alignment between the CMOs out there and their bosses, the CEOs. And I can say that I had the pleasure of meeting most of the coaches uh, at CMO Bootcamp last year. And it was an amazing experience. I, I definitely, I went in not really knowing what to expect because it was my first bootcamp. Um, and I was definitely impressed by the insight and experience of all the coaches. So we will make sure to link to CMO coaches um, as well as your new book in the show notes. So for everyone who is listening, just take a look uh, in the show notes. All of that information is there so that you can stay connected with Kip. Um, Kip, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Brandy. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Awesome. And thank everyone for joining us. I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Kip. I can't believe we're at the end. See you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.